things he won't share with us The darkness in his brain The dungeon master's plan The pleasure and the pain What's better left unknown Keep calling out to me I hear him think out loud To die Only the brave shall come Open to page one My name is Che Webster and this is the Roleplay Rescue Dungeon Master's Diary Hey Che, Tim Shores of Gothridge Manor here I was just listening to your latest podcast I'm going to piggyback a little bit of what uh, Dave Aldridge was saying about giving your players room to kind of help develop the world I'm primarily a player in games I mean I do my GMing on and off but I enjoy most when the, when the GM gives me a little bit of flexibility with my character and it's not like I'm trying to break anything not trying to uh, you know you know back in the day where you know when you're kids like a lot of people would try to just wreck things. I'm looking to explore your world, actually, when I'm doing that. I'm trying to find out maybe some details you hadn't thought of. and You know, maybe hang a picture on the wall where you didn't think of hanging one before. And uh, I'm going to do a Jackson here. So I was talking about, like, room to explore. And I think what I see a lot of GMs, I shouldn't say a lot, the, f- the few times where I do see folks getting bound up with, with that kind of... Uh, uh, anxiousness is they're trying to make the world just right or kind of you know, making sure it's really fun for the players. Well, a lot of that falls on the players. Players got to be responsible for their own fun too there and and uh, getting involved with what you provide. As a player that's what I try to do and I think it helps the GM too uh, and, it, and it's it makes it fun. It becomes this, of course, an interactive thing, which I'm sure you've done hundreds of times but just don't probably you know recognize it at the moment or whatever so i'm gonna do another jackson to you i'm sorry lastly the npcs god i love making npcs it's one of my favorite things to do chai uh i don't have any magic trick about it uh, i don't have anything that really that will solve problems other than I try, like, if I'm running a game, I got a list of, I always try to get a list of names beforehand, just so if I need a quick NPC. And then I just think of an actor in a movie or somebody I know and combine two people. It depends, you know. And then um, make it that NPC and try to make it as enjoyable as possible. Sometimes my difficulty is, is when I... My, my NPCs kind of run the same tone, like, you know, the angry barkeep, and then you know, they run into, like, maybe an angry or irritated shopkeep, and that's something I have to keep track of, too. So, hey, good luck with everything, Jay. Hey, Josh Beckelheimer here, and I'm currently listening to your Dungeon Master's Diary number 8 about the NPCs. Um, I have a quick couple suggestions. Though, I mean, they could still be overwhelming. I'm not sure. But if, if I have key NPCs, I typically just have their name, what their species is, and sometimes I'll write down what a goal is of theirs, a fear, 
and maybe a tagline of something that they say or a key feature that's physically about them. Each one just about a sentence long and they may never even matter. Like their fears and goals may never be brought up. But it's something that you know that, hey, this innkeeper here is a little worried about the new inn, the new inn that's being built just, you know, a few blocks down from him. He's worried that he's going to lose business, that kind of stuff. And another thing that I do sometimes is I allow the players to tell me what the NPC is. For example, say you are in a dungeon and you know there's a dead body in there. You can just look up to one of the players. Hey, your character knows who this is. Can you tell us all who they are? And then that helps the players to get invested in the world because now they know who that dead NPC is and they may actually care for that person or they may be glad that that person is dead. And it also helps get a lot of that work off of your shoulders and now you know, great, we got this cool NPC that may or may not be important later down the road, but now we know we are invested in this dead NPC. Man, I love Anchor. <laughs> great call-ins. Thank you to Tim Shorts, Gothrich Manor, and Josh Beckelheimer from JB Beckelheimer uh, Productions Publishing. I can't remember. I'm sorry. Got that one wrong. Uh, great call-ins, guys. Thank you so much. And um, Tim... Thank you for reminding me that you'd like some space in my world. Um, I absolutely love to have my players, you know, bring things to the world. And at the same time, I do feel that there are some boundaries I want to place around what players can do, but I'm not entirely sure what they are. I guess it's all the big picture stuff. I want to make sure that's uh, something I get to um, veto big time. But um, yeah, I think there's room for smaller details and uh, quite happy for players to make those suggestions. And and I guess uh, your thoughts on NPCs are um, handy. You know, I I can't say that there's anything overwhelmingly stunning and new and surprising to me because I think I kind of have heard all of the decent advice one way or another. But I do appreciate you taking the time to call it in and remind me of that it doesn't have to be complicated. And you know what, Tim, your cards are absolutely wonderful. The only thing, reason I don't use them is I don't, play bx and so the stat part of it doesn't fit my needs but the rest of it's cool i mean so many cool characters that you've created um really do enjoy them and that's you know part of why i support your patreon and josh thank you for calling in man really great to hear from you and i've, I've been enjoying your podcast by the way and starting to dig into that two or three episodes in um loving all your one page stuff and i just wanted to um and sort of thank you for that. And if anyone hasn't checked out um, sort of Josh's podcast, you really should. Um, thanks for your tips on NPCs. I guess with the first bit, I was kind of much more comfortable with, although making that list of uh, possible headings, I don't know, it still feels daunting to me. Feel like making this list and remembering every NPC has to have all these things and kind of taking the time to prep all of that. I just, oh, I don't know. It intimidates the hell out of me. And so I end up kind of not doing anything. And then on the, on the night I've, kind of have to make these guys up and they're always really two-dimensional and shallow and it just feels crap anyway thank you for the tip i guess what i ought to make is maybe a template for myself i mean i don't know if anyone out there has made a npc kind of template that sounds a lot like josh's suggestion but i would appreciate that i mean maybe tim could do uh some kind of you know handout uh card for gms just to scroll on or something i don't know and put it out 
you know, in his style. Uh, kind of, I'd love to have a lot of your characters, Tim, with with none of the stats in there, just just the other stuff and and room to put whatever stats I need in, I guess. Um, but I don't know. That's just too much work for you, Josh. Uh, that list, yeah. I kind of maybe I'll to write it down and just use it as a template for and just do it. You know, it's a discipline. The second suggestion about kind of saying to the players, well, who is this guy? I guess I'm less comfortable with that because I feel like it's my job as DM to have decided that stuff. And I know that I'm probably very wrong to think that. But that's my gut reaction that, you know, that kind of like, oh, I'm supposed to know this is my job to create the rest of the world. The guys have got enough on their hands with the players. And I'm probably very wrong to think that. But um, yeah, that's my reaction. You know, that's my thought. So if you've got any cure for that worry i'd love to hear it um i don't know but thank you both for calling in and talking to me about npcs i massively appreciate it it's starting to encourage me back to the table and this week has been an interesting journey that you're going to find out about i guess by tuning in now um but you guys really made my week by calling in i i uh was fairly sure no one was going to say anything and i was wrong so thanks guys really appreciate it Hey, Jay, Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Just want to let you know that I'm very excited by the comment you made of where you and Frank are going with your GURPS project, the idea of making it more accessible to the GM. I think that's huge. Um, you know, when you look at online games and even in-person games, you know, there are a lot of players that are willing to play just about anything, and there are a lot of DMs and GMs out there especially in the online games that are big into making pre-gen characters for people to play that they don't even have the people make their own play yeah they don't even have the players make their own characters they just give them pre-gens to play so i think it's really but i think a lot of people say oh groups too complicated it's too big and you have gms included in that so if you can get the gms to buy in i think the players will follow so i think that's a great strategy thank you for doing that i look forward to it Appreciate you calling in, Jason. It's really great to hear from you. And uh, that point was one that really hit home this week. Thank you. Frank and I are indeed talking about the GURPS stripped down naked GURPS that I've been working on with Frank, talking about with Frank. And our conversation is sort of stalled at the moment a little bit because, frankly, Frank's not too well. And... um, I'm just very busy and I think between us we're sort of struggling a little bit. We've also kind of wrestling, we're trying to get another three voices together and I know that Paris is also struggling with his kind of world. So uh, it's not that it's stopped but it's just slowed. Uh, nonetheless, you know, we feel very much that this GM's need is kind of key and I think what you've just said is kind of really rammed it home because... You're right, a lot of GMs are using pre-gens to bridge people into the game. And I don't know, there's something that I've always felt for a long while now, that pre-gens are fine, but actually, if you can provide a game, especially a one-shot game, that actually allows people to generate a character quickly and easily, then you get so much more investment. I think there's something about making a character, however simple and however basic, kind of making your own character. And that's where... I think we might be onto a winner with our limited points. Our 60, 100 point kind of range for GURPS is very doable. But obviously finding a bridge in for the GM as well. I think what you've got to do there, I think we're going to have to define a bit of a world and kind of introduce GURPS through a specific setting rather than through its generic kind of baseline. 
And um, yeah, it's a lot for me to think about there, a lot to me to work through. And I think I'm going to learn quite a lot from another project that I want to talk about a little bit later in this episode as well. So, uh, Jason, anyway, brilliant. Thanks for calling in. And, and just so, so good of you to sort of flag up the thing that I'd almost missed that I'd said. Um, that's really cool, man. Thanks. All right, so I'm sat down to do my Gygax 75 SF map today. I decided I'd try and get this done and out of the way. Um, the week is almost over. So I've sat down, I've got one of Square Hex's um, recent A5 uh, booklets, and I'm going to use basically the first um, inside cover page uh, is line paper, and next to that is a hex map. Now, unfortunately and weirdly, I suppose, um, it is 11 by 10 hexes, or 10 hexes across and 11 hexes long. And because I'm being inspired by Traveller, um, I kind of wanted to have that as 10 by 8 and be traditional. So I've ruled off the um, excess hex to space for myself. Um, but I've also grabbed a copy of GURPS Traveller First In, uh, Exploration Contact Among Stars. as uh, my copy of the book, which I've had for many years and oddly, I don't think ever really used. Um, and this has extensive tables for creating uh, first stars and worlds and stuff on the worlds and all sorts of malarkey. I'm going to be using these random tables um, and guidelines extensively as I design this setting. And what I thought would be nice to do is record the start of this process. Um, I, I always know that uh, um, there are listeners who will enjoy a good roll on a random table. Um, and I've brought my... Uh, traveller dice. I've got a series of quite large, I think they're about 18 mil uh, traveller dice, which I got a long while ago with Traveller 5. And I'm going to use those because it's all part of the experience, isn't it, to um, do this stuff. Um, so if you've been reading my blog, ubiquitousrats.net, you'll know the basics of what I'm doing. Um, but what I want is a ruined kind of uh, subsector of space which has absolutely been decimated by alien attack and the aliens have sort of swept through and moved on and the human survivors are trying to like pick up the pieces now for this um, first thing I, I got to choose is to generate the stars that will be in each of the one parsec hexes and by the way there's a lovely fact here um, it says uh, following Traveller and GURPS space, we use the parsec as a standard unit of measurement for interstellar distances. One parsec is equal to about 3.26 light years, which I knew. And here's the fact, or 19 trillion miles. Just love that. Space is three-dimensional, but Traveller simplifies StarMap by projecting galaxy onto a two-dimensional plane. Uh, star maps are thus orientated with a coreward direction at the top toward the centre of the galaxy, and the opposite direction is rimward. And the direction of galactic rotation is towards the left of a standard map, designating the spinward direction, and the right is trailing. So I'm going to use, try and use those terms um, if they become relevant. So I'm going to use a subsector, um, which is essentially 10 by 8 hexes. And our first decision I've got to make uh, is the system's presence table. And you've got um, subsector density. Now this is going to decide... How many, when you roll for every hex, you're going to roll uh, one or two dice for every hex, and on a, on a result, you get um, a star there, and you kind of just mark it as having a star. Simple as that. That's all I'm going to do. Um, and the choices are you've got very dense, dense, standard, scattered, sparse, and rift. Um, and I make the point in the text that actually the classic traveler, um, third Imperium, 
uh, kind of base setting um, of the Spinwood Marches actually has a scattered level. So I'm going to use that. I quite like that density. Um, so this is a, you're all in each, each uh, hex is 1D, uh, five or more, 1D6, sorry, for those not playing familiar with GURPS. Everything is on D6 with Travel Run GURPS. Um, five plus on a 1D, which should give me 21 to 32 uh, stars in that in that particular map. So here we go. So starting with um, top left, um, if you like, the uh, Corward Spinward um, hex, and I'm going to just work down. I'm going to work across the page. Actually, I think I'm going to just do um, go left to right across the page, back across the page. Uh, oh, where am I? It might be actually be easy just to go in columns. I've got these hexes are in columns. So let's do it in columns, it's fine. Right, so gonna go down the page. So starting with 0101, hex 0101, here we go. Got a one, which means there's no star there. Okay, next hex, put my finger there so I don't forget where I'm at. Rolling, roll a three, no star there. Next one, roll a two, next one, roll a two, next one, six, I've got a star, so I'm just gonna put a circle on the map in the middle of that hex just to mark it as having a star. I'm not filling that in by the way, I'm just doing a circle. So I'm not sure on notation yet. Next hex, no star. 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 It's gonna be really boring listening to me do this. So I'm just gonna roll um, and um, yeah, I'll catch you in a bit. Oh, got a star. All right, so after about, I don't know, an hour and a half of faffing around, um, uh, with first in, which is fine, I started generating stars. And then I realised that actually uh, the next step was getting into sort of laying out where the worlds were with the stars and all the rest of it. And I kind of thought, I don't need this level of detail. And I've just picked up GURP Space 4th Edition. And this has a sort of revised world design sequence, which is much better for me, I think. Allows me to. I've got my map with um, worlds marked on, and there's a world design sequence for each of those worlds. And I think what I'm going to do is use that process, uh, which is kind of very similar. I mean, it's in itself based on the ones developed for GURPS Traveller anyway, so that kind of suits me. It has the same kind of style. Um, and I kind of come back to this is the challenge, isn't it? When you're trying to just do the Gygaxian approach, coming back to what I actually need. I have a map now. What I need on there is um, one world of significant size, uh, two other, um, I guess, worlds on there, one major train feature, a mysterious site to explore, and a dungeon entrance. That's what I need. So I really just need to generate three worlds um, and then uh, and add here, I guess, a kind of major... I don't know what major train feature means, I guess, on a world, on a fantasy world, that would be very straightforward in space, I'm not so sure. Um, so I'm going to, and I really should have spent more time on this in a week, but I'm going to dive in. I'm going to basically pick um, a hex, put a world there, and go through the world design sequence and, and uh, yeah, kind of rewind to what I'm doing, and adjust what I'm doing, which I think is kind of part of the process, right? I mean... Is to me. All right, so I just printed off the GURP Space World Design Workbook, really. We're talking 14 page worksheet. And my brain went, ah! 
And I thought, why don't I just pick up, you know, Classic Traveller. And yeah, I could. But also there's a part of me that really wants to dive deep into creating a science fiction world. And um, I quite like this kind of fiddly-diddly uh, process. And so I'm going to nonetheless dive in and try and build a world, um, or the first three worlds using this process. And I'm fully aware that I could make the choice to do otherwise. And maybe I will. I mean, after doing three worlds and a map, Maybe that's it. I mean, I'm maybe never playing this. So I, it's really down to me. It's just kind of my kind of fun. Um, and I realize that there's a part of me that's really lazy and just doesn't want to do this. But there's a big part of me that is very curious about it. Like how kind of experience am I going to have? So I'm going to dive in with some trepidation, but I'm going to dive in. It doesn't look difficult. It's just... I mean, the worksheet is big, I think, because there's just a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of it's tick boxes, this tick, you know, it's going to be rolling on tables and stuff like that and deciding things. So, fine, you know, I can do that. But I'm I'm making a note because I think this daunts a lot of people, this sort of stuff, and um, I am daunted. But we will see how this shakes out. GURP space is, this isn't rules as such, this is a set of tools for building you know, science fiction worlds with a lot of believability about them. So let's dive in. It's Sunday tea time and I've come up with the world of Arcadia using GURP space, which um, is a, a world about a third the size of the Earth, but a green garden world with a reasonable atmosphere. And um, whilst it is not uh, resource rich, it is, you know, a very habitable place. And I've determined there's about 150 million people there, but they have, you know, the top level class five starport and it's, I kind of, you know, rolled up a number of things that kind of make it interesting and cool. There's loads of various facilities and stuff on the world that kind of make the place interesting. I need to sit down and create two more worlds like this. Um, and I might get to do that this evening, but I kind of feel like my uh, week past, you know, was so busy that I didn't get um, proper time to do this. So I'm going to beat myself up. I might stay up a little tonight and do some more on it, but I'm not going to beat myself up if I don't get both of those things done. What I do want to do, though, is place you know, some interesting features into this map over the next um, few days, I guess. Um, and the next step is to create the home base. So this is a sort of hometown in fantasy terms. I think I might make that the city, uh, I guess, the, the capital city of Arcadia, uh, such as it is in surviving with the starport and everything else. So um, I need to think about how I'm going to do that over the next week. But um, yeah. It's been fun. I've delved into um, science fiction and I don't know, it's weird because if I was playing Classic Traveller and if I used Classic Traveller, I could probably have done this in less than the time it's taken me. But I think in some ways I've got a more interesting outcome from using GURB Space. There is uh, there's a number of organisations suggested, for example, that are kind of just cool. They become factions in themselves. Things I could potentially draw upon in a campaign, which is kind of fun. 
Um, and I've also, you know, there's a beginnings of the kind of the picture behind it that's kind of painted in my mind. And as this is a personal project, it doesn't really matter if at the moment that's not, you know, very coherently expressed. It's about getting started. And um, yeah, it's been interesting. But it is tea time. All right, just finished work, just got home, it's Tuesday night, had a good session with the kids tonight, really good, four players, um, and yeah, they went down to the dungeons, they were pretty efficient actually, they decided that there was a couple of things they wanted to buy, they bought some rope, they were anticipating kind of getting into some pits, and um, off into the dungeon they went, and they did some exploring, and for the first time, pencil and paper came out, and they decided to kind of map their progress, um, and the second thing was that they pretty much spent the evening exploring a section of the dungeon, which they'd kind of been too partly. Um, they had a brief combat with some spiders uh, and discovered that some of the rooms had been looted. This is a spoiler alert. I repeat, this is a spoiler alert. So something happens that I kind of need to confess to, really. So when I played Dungeons of the Trial last Friday with the guys on the Friday night game night, I treated the dungeon at that time as pretty much as written originally. And then when I came to Tuesday this evening, I decided that I wanted to integrate. I want to have one dungeon that I'm running. And I, each party that goes into it affects what affects other parties. So I essentially blended the two narratives together. And the players and the kids, I mean, thankfully, they'd made a couple of mistakes. So one of the mistakes was that they had previously found an iron key and they had left it in the iron door. They had gone behind that door a little bit and then come back and decided to lock it. But they left the key there because they knew they could come back to it. My players on Friday night found a key hidden elsewhere, and I have now decided that basically the key that the kids had got taken out of the door and taken away, ultimately taken away by the Friday night guys. So they discovered today that there is another party starting to plunder these dungeons. And this is interesting because they got really excited about that idea and the idea that what that they do has consequences and whatever the other players that come down here do has consequences. Now there could be in the future, then a few within a few weeks, there could be a third party entering these dungeons because we're talking about doing an online game. And of course, I now have a unified narrative for that. So uh, for example, there was one room they went into and they discovered like fire, sort of splash marks of flame and fire. Um, in the lair where the spiders were and the, the leftovers of those spiders, the remnants of those spiders defending that room, they dispatched those. But they discovered also that the chest in that room had been looted and that's because on Friday the guys pretty much used um, alchemist's oil to take out a lot of the spiders in that room and they looted that room and they left. So here we're starting to see the, the dungeon come to life, which was really quite exciting. Um, so if you're in any of those groups playing, uh, while you're listening to this, anyway, I had a great time with the, the kids, a really good time and they want to play again next week, which is fantastic. Game on. Crikey. I just realized that I'm kind of running up against the clock out of time here. So what I'm going to do is split this, um, 
DM's Diary chunk of stuff into two. I'm going to do DM's Diary 9 and 10 pretty much hot on the heels. Now, I mentioned earlier when I was responding to Jason that there was another project that I was going to get involved in. So if you wanted to find out more about that, um, you know, DM's Diary number 10. I'll uh, see you on the flip side.